0: You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello everybody, I'm Robin stratton Burkessel, host of Positivity Strategist. Today we're in for a treat. My special guest is Izzy Cassell. Izzy is a self-proclaimed and endorsed by many organizational alchemist. With his unique gifts, he enlivens and transforms. Listen into this snippet of Izzy.
1: So humor can define the climate in an organization by its presence or absence and what kind of humor is present.
0: Now before I begin my conversation with Izzy, I have a couple of announcements. My producer Jürgen Burkessel and I are really happy that we have so many new listeners, and many of you are now subscribing to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. This is really gratifying. Thank you all. And now that you're listening, it would be a beautiful next step if you'd go on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave a rating and a review for Positivity Strategist podcast. You may not realize how important that gesture is in bringing awareness and visibility to the show on the app stores. Thank you so much in advance for your willingness to do that. And now... Let's do the Positivity Lens Activity Segment. You know that I do this each week as a way to strengthen our positivity muscle and to hone our ability to view people and situations through multiple lenses. It's about the application of what we are hearing and learning, how to embody what's important to increase our well-being. Now, in last week's episode, which was PS28, with Barbara Rubel, which was entitled Resilient Leadership and the Fabulous Principle, I suggested three following activities. The number one, or the first one was, as you think about your own stories of grief or joy, how do you make meaning out of them? Share your stories with a trusted other and notice what comes up for you. What are the words that you're using and what's the tone and what meaning are you making from your story? Number two, identify your own character strengths based on the language you're using when you describe how you deal with situations. I also encourage you to go to the vme.org website and take the free survey to help you find out the language around your own strengths. And number three, When you feel stress or anticipate it coming on, reframe it by thinking and talking about it as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to change. Be energized rather than de energized. Find a new narrative that talks about your resilience, your positive resources. Because remember, what you focus on grows. And now to this week's show. I'm really honoured to have Izzy Gassell on my show today. As I mentioned in the opening, Izzy is an organisational alchemist. He has a huge range of talents and experiences in his portfolio that qualify him for such a title. Izzy makes it his business to transform something commonplace into something special. So Izzy, a big warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you, Robin. It's nice to be here.
0: Oh, great. I'm so happy that you could be with me today, Izzy. Me too. (laughs) A couple of more sound bites about Izzy. So, among Izzy's outstanding talents are being a keynote speaker, an author, a workshop leader, facilitator, and certified speaking professional designated from the National Speakers Association, which I understand is a valued credential. And most significantly, the real-world application of humour and improv are his specialties. So this unique amalgam enables Izzy to be the organisational alchemist. Izzy, you've created a very special space for yourself in the field of human and organisational development. So would you tell me a little bit more about being an organisational alchemist?
1: Yes, Robin, I will. The term refers to the definition of alchemy, which is turning something ordinary into something special. And what I found as I was working as a facilitator in my workshops and and keynotes, people would come up to me and recount their experiences as being eye opening or having them able to see things from a different perspective. And what I realized was that the topics of, of humor and applied improv principles give people a sense of seeing the world and themselves in a little different way. And I, I remember a saying that says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So the transformational piece of the seemingly simple work of humor and applied improv helps people transform their life experience.
0: Yeah, it's um, like seeing the world with new eyes. Is is that also relevant?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that there are basic truths in the human condition, mm-hmm. and how you view those truths uh, determines how you believe in in the world and the life that you live. And the truths are basic, the same around the world. It's just that people see different lenses, so there are different religions, different perspectives. When you think about the reality of everyone's situation, this is the only moment we have. The past is gone. The future is unknown. And the search is for love, joy, and connection.
0: Mm. And so interesting, we're talking, we're using the metaphor like eye opening and seeing with Mm -hmm. new eyes. And um, yeah, it's about the perspective. So what, what enlivens you about doing this work, this applied improv and humor in the workplace?
1: There are two aspects to the joy I get and the enthusiasm. One is that everyone uh, wants a sense of humor. Most people value a sense of humor and enjoy playing when they're uh, allowing themselves to do so. Yet few people realize the benefits in our adult life. So when I offer my workshops and people have the experience of understanding how humor works and experiencing some of the processes in the applied humor work, they are transformed. And it's joyful for me to see that because I know I'm making an impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other side of that equation for me is to educate folks on how to bring more humor into their lives, because it's a skill that anyone can develop. Everyone has the basic sense of humor. The question is, how do you go about Uh, Understanding how it works and how to use it to have the most effective life possible.
0: Yeah, because you know, I actually know some people who say, I don't have a real sense of humor. Mm -hmm. But I guess there's different kinds of humor.
1: Well, there is different kinds of humor. I have found that when people say that, they are comparing themselves to a, a funny person in their lives. Or a standard by which they may not um, measure up to in their own estimation, and thereby they're discounting their own use of humor. Mm. So, whenever anyone laughs at something, or shares a joyful moment, or says something that makes other people laugh, they are uh, exhibiting a sense of humor.
0: Yeah. Do you ever, in a workshop, say to people, "Remember a time when you f- uh, that you found humorous, or when you were funny, or
1: yes." Yes, I I do. Because what folks begin to realize is that to your memory, an emotion is as real as the actual event. This is why we buy souvenirs uh, (laughs) or or mementos. When you look at a souvenir, uh, you can bring back that feeling of that that moment when you're standing on, on the top of the Eiffel Tower, if it's something from Paris. And when you think back to happy moments in your life, you bring back real laughter. So you can recreate those feelings in the same way that you can recreate sad feelings or um, fearful feelings by just transporting your memory back to that situation.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you got a particular story that you can share about accessing a memory that brought a lot of joy or humor or fun to you?
1: Yes, I, uh, I do remember. Um, uh, when I first started working uh, as a speaker, a motivational humorist, I had been a stand-up comedian, I had been a special education teacher, and I started going to different conferences to speak, and I had to fly a lot, and I was... Um, very frightened of flying at that time. I was afraid uh, that the plane would crash, and it was, it was just the typical fear of flying, <laughs> although technically that's not true. Flying was fine. Crashing is what I feared, you know, <laughs> if, if you want to be technical about it. And I, I, I remember being very frightened one day uh, in, in this plane that was going through a lot of turbulence, and I saw a boy sitting next to me uh, who was maybe five or six years old, and he was having the time of his life. He was going, wee, wee, every time the plane hit a bump. And I look back in that time now and I really see myself, I laugh at that situation because that scared, frightened adult was very different from the joyful child. And I I recognize when I think back to it, how silly I was and how afraid I was when there was joy all around me. So that, that actually makes me smile now and that makes me laugh.
0: Yeah, laughing at yourself, I think, is great therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that story, yeah. So I'm wondering, you mentioned something about your background, you slipped that in there. How did you actually get to do what you're doing now?
1: Uh, The Long and Winding Road would be the song that (laughs) I would be playing at this moment by um, the Beatles. My background is as an educator, as I said. Uh, I had a secret desire Uh, to be a stand-up comedian because I needed a creative outlet and studied comedy in New York City where I uh, was uh, raised and was working at the time and uh, began to do some comedy. That's where I learned about humor and how humor works. And I learned that humor is structured and it has a uh, predictability or a structure to it that that you can create. That's why there are comedy writing groups and, and people can get together and actually write comedy. So I began to do that. And after a, a few years of this, of, and this is very difficult business. It's, it's not very comforting to be traveling and being paid low money to be abused by audiences, but you need the time. <laughs> it's very much like a bullfighter. You can't be a bullfighter without stepping into the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and when people say about performance, whether it's speaking or comedy, you need to have the stage time. I was fortunate to be asked to teach a class on comedy writing at the University of Massachusetts in the early 1990s, and that's where I met business people who weren't interested in being comedians. They were very interested in learning how to use humor to manage stress, to build relationships, to develop a corporate and organizational culture that fostered creativity and connection. I was invited to speak to a number of organizations and associations, and uh, became uh, a motivational humorist, and then with my improv experience, began putting my ex- experiences into activities that were brought to my workshops, and found that my talent of combining my performance and education uh, with the facilitation skills that I have was my career.
0: Oh, that's beautiful! So there are those of us who are able to find and follow our calling, and I'm hearing that coming through from you. Mm-hmm. So you didn't set out to be an organizational development specialist, right? No,
1: I did not. I did not even know that was a possibility. Right,
0: right. You're going in there and you're helping develop people. I'm making assumptions here, so maybe I should ask you, <laughs> how, how are you using the application of humor and improvisation mm-hmm. in the organizations? Do they call you in because that's what they're looking for? Or do you say, well, I have a solution that is outside the box? What's the door that opens you yeah. to do this work?
1: So guess there are two doors that I actually go through into organizations and they've changed a bit over time. Mm-hmm. Once it was pretty much focused on the pain that the organization was feeling, how to help groups manage stress, how to lighten up the atmosphere, which was directly impacting productivity. For a while, I was doing a lot of work with quality uh, engineers and organizations on on helping people work well together. Uh, more recently, the concepts of humor. Uh, as a stress manager and as a symptom of the efficacy of teams and groups, it is very well established now. So it's it's I'm called in to uh, look at a culture to help people recognize what's keeping them uh, separate and how they can improve their interpersonal relationships. The same is true of improv. It is now uh, recognized the the skills that make improv people successful are very relevant to successful organizations. I see myself not so much as as coming in to help the organization, but to work with individuals. Mm -hmm. And my focus, my belief is that organizations are essentially systems of human relationships. Mm -hmm. So my work is on the level of the interpersonal and intrapersonal relationships people have. And by working on those situations, we can change the uh, emotional climate of the organization and the uh, effectiveness.
0: Mm, I love that. So talk to me a little bit, Izzy, how humor helps. Um, Because, you know, people say that laughter is the best medicine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there
1: there is a a throwaway line, laughter is the best medicine. (laughs) Something like that.
0: I'd like you to talk about the positive effects of laughter. And I know mm-hmm. that you've talked about the four quadrants of well-being. Yes. So please explain that to us, how humor helps in these four areas of well-being.
1: The theory is that as human beings, we process information on, uh, through four different channels. And those channels are mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So it could be said that according to this model, we as human beings are creatures of mind, body, heart, and soul. And when we talk about being in balance or being out of balance, uh, one way to look at that uh, situation is to look at these four quadrants and see if they are or are not in equitable balance for each other. They don't have to be similar. All four quadrants don't have to be take 25% of your time. But if you look at when, when you're feeling unbalanced, when I'm feeling unbalanced, I will look at these four quadrants and I might say, oh, I'm, I'm spending too much time thinking or I'm not getting enough intellectual stimulation, or it may be that I'm not exercising enough, so my physical quadrant is out of whack. Uh, Emotionally, I may be thinking too, I may be attached to old feelings, or I may not be truthful with myself, so I may be eating too much as as a stress management tool. And spiritually, I I may not have enough faith, or may not have anything to focus on, and nothing to give me a purpose. So the idea is that by looking at these four quadrants, You can see where your life balance comes in. And humor helps strengthen each of these four quadrants. This is what's so interesting about this subject of humor. In the mind, mentally, humor works because it always allows you to see a different point of view. So a laugh is essentially your body's recognition that you see a different perspective. And being able to see a different perspective on a situation frees up the emotional connection you have to that. Uh, I remember my my folks would say to me when I was a teenager or perhaps even younger and I would get very frustrated about something. And I remember my mom saying to me one day, "Um, this may seem bad now, but we'll be able to laugh about it Mm. later on. Yeah. And that indication is that a different perspective brings a different emotional connection, brings a different belief about the situation. Mm. And humor is always about the shift in point of view. Mm. So the more you exercise your sense of humor, the more mentally flexible you are, and the less time you spend stuck in there's only one way to see this situation. Wow! Uh, uh, Physically, if you think about humor, humor works because it releases tension. Mm -hmm. And laughter and tension cannot exist in the body at the same time. Uh, it's physically impossible. If you picture uh, two people or more moving a heavy piece of furniture, if one person starts to laugh, the piece of furniture has to be put down because tension cannot be maintained in the body. It's <laughs> physically impossible. So, so one <laughs> I, released, Let me just jump in there.
0: Yeah, I have just had this image of being tickled.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: and how powerless you are when you're yes. being tickled. Yes, it's like I. It's almost torture
1: in some cases. Well, it is torture. And there are people, there are researchers who who define tickling as a form of torture. Yeah. And there are educators. Um, uh, Fred Donaldson is one of them, a man who worked with autistic children, who believes that tickling children is a form of torture. So it is a form of torture because you're helpless.
0: Yeah.
1: And the laugh is not a joyful laugh. The laugh is a body's, uh, um, uh, the only recognition, the, the only response one, one can have at the time. So, uh, but you can't be tense. You're not, you're not, you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not tight there. So physically humor helps you by releasing tension. So laughing at something, even if it's not necessarily appropriate releases tension. This Mm -hmm. is what's known as nervous laughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You can't cry. You can't yell. You can't run away. So laughter is one way to release that tension. Mm -hmm. Emotionally humor works because it allows us to feel closer to people in situations feel more connected, feel that we're not alone in the universe. And conversely, emotionally, humor works by uh, relieving fear. So -hmm. when you make fun of something, when you put someone down, you are essentially uh, diminishing the distance in status. Uh, And if you can belittle something, it doesn't hold the same power to frighten you. And this is where the concepts of gallows humor, operating room humor what's called the dark humor. Uh, or And also, this is where the, the need to put other people down to make yeah. fun of other people, other races, other be- beliefs, because we, f- we are afraid of them. And by laughing, we conquer our fear.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And the, just the fourth quadrant is spiritually, humor works because the phrase itself, it lifts your spirits. It lightens you up. There's a a little joke about why angels fly, because they take themselves lightly. You know, <laughs> so so those are the four quadrants, and each is strengthened by a conscious and active ongoing use of humor.
0: Well, you've certainly opened up my eyes to all the great value that humor can offer us. When you're in an organization, is there one that is more appropriate than another?
1: One form of humor?
0: Yeah. One of you know, one of these four quadrants that you're talking about um, I
1: wouldn't say that the, that any of these four quadrants is more appropriate what is for, the con- for
0: a business context
1: yes I think for, what's interesting in the business context is for people to understand why the different forms of humor come out so humor is used for different purposes and uh, if you look at the purposes so for example one, one purpose of humor uh, is as a shield. People use self-deprecating humor to make fun of themselves as a way of preventing other people from saying the same thing. If we laugh about something ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, it takes the sting away from someone else. Another function of humor in organizations is as a weapon. So if you have sarcasm or negative humor or put-down humor, Mm -hmm. that indicates a way that people are um, not comfortable with each other and they're literally fighting each other in a socially accepted way. Humor is one of the ways that people can say difficult things and on some level not be responsible for it. So you can say, I was just kidding. Mm -hmm. But just kidding doesn't mean... I did not mean what I said. (laughs) A third form of of the use of humor is the bridge when people laugh together and we feel connected. And a fourth form is the spotlight. People use humor to bring attention to themselves. So we've all been with people who are always making jokes and and they're always bringing attention to themselves. And it can be uh, annoying. It could be um, disruptive. Uh, So the the functions of humor in the organization are not directly related to the four quadrants, but the the purpose of them is to try to maintain some kind of balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of humor is used uh, to indicate a truth that cannot be spoken in its own
0: way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you mention that part of the work that you're doing is coming in to look at organizational culture and strengthen connection and relationships. I'm looking through my lens here and thinking, well, really understanding emotional and mental benefits of humor
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: would so, something that you might focus on more.
1: Yeah. And it depends on the purpose. If, if you're looking to jumpstart a creative organization, if you want uh, groups that are being, that want to be more innovative then you can focus on the uh, mental aspect, the Uh shift in point of view, the mental flexibility. If you're looking on a group that is not getting along, that have passive-aggressive issues and so forth, you look more at the emotional pieces. What What is the true emotions that are going on for these folks? And... Humor is in some ways like a thermostat in an organization. It gives you the emotional climate. So when people are laughing together in a positive way, you can feel it. You know, you walk into a group and you know that they get along well. Conversely, you walk into a group and you can also tell that these people don't like each other because the humor is negative. The humor is put down. The humor is sarcastic. And there are some groups you go into and there's no humor at all. And and my belief is that that group with no humor has uh, suppressed whatever true feelings they have and are just working by rote. So humor can define the climate in an organization by its presence or absence and what kind of humor is present.
0: Mm. So you don't go into an organization to say, well, we're now going to improve your humor no, or to build your capacity at applying humor.
1: Uh, sometimes, so, sometimes. Sometimes. I am hired to do humor as a stress management. Uh-huh. Uh, I yeah. am uh, hired to do creativity and innovation work that mm-hmm. they know is, is related to humor, mm-hmm. uh, improv, and creative thinking. And humor has gotten to the point where it's it has a, a mental wellness aspect to it that people want to have their workers connect with, mostly around stress management Yeah, because stress management, is, stress is a... A strong factor in the emotional and physical health of people in organizations. It's a way of doing stress management that people have fun um, encountering, and that mm. concept of a joyful workplace. I think we're mm-hmm. we're, we're benefiting from the high tech mindset of how innovative companies are playful and joyful and have fun.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the key, and um, I'm just thinking here too. Resilience, being resilient enables us to deal with stress and yes. being far more resourceful and access things that work for us. Yes. So I'm sure it would be applied too if, if somebody says, oh, you know, we need to build our resiliency in this organization. You could apply some of the tools that you have at your disposal. Um, it is isn't? very much
1: a resiliency tool. Yeah. Uh, it's a resiliency tool in that um, it, it, it teaches you to be flexible to bounce back mm-hmm. in terms of seeing things from different perspectives. It teaches resiliency uh, comes from flexible uh, body and movement. You have to be able to move mm-hmm. uh, so you're not tight. I mean, think of when people are stressed, they use the phrase, you're up tight
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: say, loosen up. Yeah. And that's what humor does to your body. Resiliency is, is being able to deal with difficult emotions and um, put them in their proper perspective when dealing with situations. There, there's a lot of work that's been a, written around humor in the most unlikely circumstances, humor during the Holocaust or humor during 9-11. And there is the Viktor Frankl book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Which I love. And he puts it one of, and again, this is a layperson's interpretation. I'm certainly not the expert. I do remember that one of his, his premises was the people who survived. It indicated that as human beings at any one moment, no matter what the situation, we have a choice. Mm-hmm. And what humor does for, for societies and individuals is it shows um, what choices we have. So uh, political cartoons are able to make fun of power structures in a way that uh, society allows, most societies allow. Uh, Having choices, if you're able to laugh about something at the moment, if you could laugh at the things that scare you, you have a choice about whether to be afraid or whether to uh, recognize that, This is just part of life. So the humor and resiliency is very closely connected because humor is always about choice, flexibility, and being able to see things from different perspectives.
0: Mm. You have me very interested in this topic. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this is going over all ground, but I'm still very curious at how you identify that humor was something that you wanted to focus Uh. on.
1: I think it was when I was taking my comedy writing course at the new school in New York City in the early 80s where I was um, astonished to see that it had structure to it. And that I recognized then that my desire was to learn to use humor in a way that helped me deal with my own issues. Mm -hmm. I really see this as a uh, self-development tool. And there is a myth, I think, that that people believe that most comedians have depressed lives and are unhappy. I don't know that to be the case. I don't know that it's not the case. Uh, I think that everyone has some uh, issues and everyone has a sense of humor. So I began to, to recognize that uh, this is something that I enjoyed and it also was insightful for me in learning how to deal with my own issues. Mm. And that's where I began um, liking it because I was able to help myself. It, it was very much my own personal development tool. Mm. And it's not that I don't get stressed now. It's not that I don't get angry and frustrated. It's that I don't stay as angry or stressed or frustrated as long.
0: That's great, yeah. And you have many, many, many points of view that you can fall back on, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, yes, at least it has made me actually much more compassionate (laughs) and empathic because I have trained in in terms of the bulk of my work, whether it's the improv, the facilitation or the humor, to recognize that my point of view or my belief is not the only one that is valid. Mm -hmm. In in one way, my motto is, reality is flexible.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. And let me just jump in with one of the principles of appreciative inquiry, which is, you know, the, the main framework from mm-hmm. my work in the world is there are five principles and one is called the poetic principle. Mm. And I love that because it suggests that there are so many perspectives on the world, um, Mm -hmm. just as you're identifying too, and that just as you were to listen, if you were to listen to a piece of music or look at a film or see a piece of art or hear someone's story, everyone would have a different perspective on whatever that story or that piece of work is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there are as many perspectives in the world as there are people from my perspective.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So I just think it's wonderful to be able to have that open lens um, about interpretation. It works for you and it can work against you. It works exactly. for humanity, it can work against humanity.
1: Yes, yes.
0: There are so many realities and so many truths.
1: And there's so, there, there are so many realities and so many truths and there is not just one reality. Even the phrase, what is funny is not a either or situation because you may think something's funny and I will be next to you going, <laughs> I don't get it. What's so funny about that? So <laughs> in itself, it's not funny. It's contextually and perceptually. Um, uh, dependent on where we are at the, and it may not be funny the next time. That's right.
0: <laughs> Context is really important. Coming from Australia to the United States, I <laughs> had to have, there's had to be a lot of translation for me.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and yeah, I know you've been to Australia too, right, Izzy? Uh-huh. So it works always. Um, yes, it does. Yeah. yes, it does. So uh, you just slipped in there um, a little bit about Improv, applied improv. Mm -hmm. So if it's okay with you, I'd love to switch because you've really helped me understand more about Mm humour and I would love now for us to focus on applied improv and how you're using that to help organisations and people. Um, So could we do that right now?
1: Yes, yes we can. Great. The idea about applied improv is that the skills that make improv people successful are the same skills that make us successful in our lives if we were to apply the principles to a non-theatrical setting. And I've parsed those principles down or the qualities down to three that make improv people successful that have relevance to us non-performers. One is presence. Improv people are able to stay in the moment. They're able to focus on what they need to do and let go of what's past and are unconcerned about the future so they deal very much in the present the second quality is acceptance improvisers understand the difference between acceptance and agreement so when you see an improv group they ask for titles or suggestions and and they take what they're given they may not agree with it they try to take what they're given and deal with reality and i think that's a very important lesson for me in life is to Deal with what is rather than what you would like it to be. Deal with people as they are rather than the way you wish you could change them. Mm. And the third, the third uh, quality is trust. And what improvises trust is process. So they're able to suspend judgment about whether the skit is going well, whether the story is going to be the way they want it to be. And they just continue to move forward. And that allows them to suspend judgment and to be more open to unforeseen outcomes. And those three qualities of presence, acceptance and trust are very useful in organizations now because people need to be able to deal with the unknown because the future is very uh, iffy. The past is not really a signpost to the future anymore. We can't rely on the way things were because the world we live in is so changed. So people have to be able to act in the present with an eye and a goal towards the future, but a flexibility about being able to adjust to changes on the road. It's also a matter of risk awareness, and risk awareness is a very big topic now in organisations.
0: Well, it implies to me that, you know, how you get comfortable, and I don't know if that's a wise word, but how you feel more secure living in this state of having to improvise rather than be clear and certain about outcomes Yeah, and the way we used to do things don't work anymore. So, does that fit into spontaneity in any way? Yes,
1: it it does fit into spontaneity. Spontaneity implies an ability to act in the moment, to Uh think on on, on your feet, Uh, and what you said before. It is true. It is very much a way of being comfortable with not being comfortable. Mm. So, expanding your comfort zone is another way to put it. If you think about it, most of us have improvised a good part of our lives, whether our expectations have not always been met, our goals have not always been achieved, and our routes to our destinations have not always been clear. So you take detours or you have an unexpected guest come for dinner and you don't have food for that person. You go through the cabinets, you throw things together, <laughs> and all of a sudden you have a meal for six instead of four. You, co- you improvise your conversations. Uh, In the supermarket, in the bank, we improvise a lot. What Mm -hmm. people don't realize is that the skills that make improvisers successful in the theater, it becomes a practice. So it becomes an innovative mindset practice where you begin to develop confidence in your ability to step up. Uh, So it's a leadership aspect. A lot of my work now is with leadership, applied improv as a leadership a concept. The, the program is called Becoming the Leader You Would Like to Follow. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Great it's about, title. It's about authenticity. Yes. You, you can only act in the moment. And in the moment, you are real, and you can't worry about the right thing, the wrong thing, what are other people going to think about, because otherwise you slow things down. Mm-hmm. So by applying the principles, uh, and there are certain tactics that imp- improv uh, groups learn about how to stay focused, about how to deal with what they got, uh, and that, that's where the phrase yes and comes in which mm-hmm. is a very common uh, improv concept and being able to trust the process you're able to to really uh, go more in the flow it's related to the concept of flow also about being able to react to situations as they come up rather than expecting mm-hmm. certain things to come up and then being thrown off balance if they don't.
0: What are some of the things that you are recommending or how do you bring out these principles in a workshop situation, for example. How do you get people to start practicing it and begin to bring it into the way that they interact or how they think about themselves and how they interact with others?
1: Bringing it into a workshop situation or a training situation, the premise is that the way people play games is the way they are in real life. And what happens when we play is we lose our adult act uh-huh. And we become very real. So what happens during the workshops is when people are playing a silly, non-consequential improv games, is they reveal their true selves. And then upon re- uh, reflection, people are able to realize what helps or hinders their success, their progress.
0: I'm sure people feel quite energized after yes. they've done a workshop. Yes. Yeah. And that leads me now to I'd love you to say something about the relevance of applied humor and improv to positivity. You know mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how it really is a benefit in our lives and um, can improve our sense of well-being and connection mm-hmm. with other human beings. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me take the. Uh humor piece first. The aspect of humor that's related to positivity is by switching a situation from a different perspective, you don't change the situation, but you change your relationship to it. Mm -hmm. So when you're laughing at something that you can't control, you are becoming more powerful. And that laugh reduces the tension and the fear you have. And therefore, you can say to yourself, what can I do about the situation? And action may, is a positive step. So if you think about um, Martin Seligman's work in learned Optimism, his definition of an optimist is expecting the best possible outcome in a situation, not the best outcome of, of all mm-hmm. possibilities. Right. So what, what humor allows you to do as a, as a positive person is to um, release the tension in your body. You want to go from anxiety to fear. Anxiety is, is hard to get a hold of. It's a nebulous feeling. I describe it as trying to sculpt fog. You see it and then you grab it and it's gone. <laughs> Fear is objective. You can say, what am I afraid of? And then what can I do about it? Mm. And by taking action, you feel more in control in a situation. So humor has always been a way for people to get through situations that were very negative, And it gives them hope. And I think one of the aspects of positivity is hope because the future may be brighter. If you look at stand-up comedians, generally they're from people or groups who are not empowered in society. They're from the people working their way up because they're making fun of the power that's right. keeping them down. Yes. So a humor as a way for people with little positivity in their day-to-day existence mm-hmm. to have hope to keep moving mm-hmm. forward with applied improv. The the, the the self-confidence you develop by being able to step into situations and not know the outcome, yet feel able to make mistakes, yet feel able to get through, yet feel able to encounter whatever life gives you is a very positive feeling. Because then you're able to step up into opportunities, you're able to let go of, of mishaps and failures because it's in the past, and you greet each new situation in a way of, okay... I'm open to what happens. I have the the skills and I'll do the best I can. And then you keep moving and you keep moving forward. That's the other aspect of, of improv in terms of positivity is that it's very action oriented. You don't see people standing around talking very much. Mm. The, the, The energy is always moving forward.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic, Izzy. And I think the other word that comes up for both of those is it's not only hope and being open, but it's Moving into the realm of possibilities.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Action. And that's, that, that connects right to that word of action. Action is in the realm of possibilities. Mm. You do something because you, it's possible. And there is a, an aphorism I use for the applied improv that that I encourage people to adopt as much as possible. And this is what improvisers believe. Anything is possible. Not everything will work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you've got hope. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but but keep trying. You yeah. know, if it doesn't work, then try something else.
0: That's right. That's great. So Izzy, this is so wonderful. I can't wait to actually hear back what you've been saying because it's <laughs> so rich in information that you're sharing with us. I'm aware that you have a course on lynda.com. So I'd yes. love you to talk a little bit about that. And in addition to that, what's on your horizon? What else you're creating for yourself and how people can you know, learn more about the work that you're doing, what excites you. And, um, let me also say that on the show notes page for this episode, which is com slash PS 29. So number 29 is your episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be links and resources to, for people to be able to find you, your website okay. and some of your materials and books mm-hmm. and, um, social media links. So, um, yeah, you will become very available to people who want to find out more about yeah. you. But just share with us now, you know, what excites you and what's on the horizon for your work?
1: Well, the com course is called Leading with Applied Improv. And it's a workshop on uh, the applied improv principles of leadership ability using improv. There also will be a course on humor in the workplace that uh, will be coming out in the spring, in May, I believe. So I'm very excited about the recognition that these topics have in the, essentially the mainstream business world. If you, it's, it's really become a tipping point for both humor and improv as a viable business and personal development tool. What's exciting for me is a trip to Shanghai in the summer to do a two-day workshop in, uh, with a translator on Improv for Leadership, Applied Improv for Leaders. Fantastic. And a a one-day workshop on innovation.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yes, so that just having the... Uh, and I've done some over, uh, work in, in different countries to have this this level of interest in a topic that seems to be culturally different is very exciting to me and a, a bit daunting, to be honest. It's, it's quite um, a challenge for me mm-hmm. uh, to put my concepts and material in, in a way that uh, other cultures uh, hopefully can find relevance and an and understanding. So that is very exciting. Uh, I am so let me just it, check in yep. with
0: you, Izzy. So you will be conducting these talks or workshops, facilitating whatever it is you know that you're doing there, yeah. and you will have somebody who is translating into Chinese yes. beside That's, you.
1: Yes, and I will also have what they have out there is a whisperer. Uh, a whisper uh, this happened when I was in in Taiwan uh, a, a translator st- was standing on my left translating my English into um Chinese, mm-hmm. and the whisperer was standing at my right ear, uh translating the Chinese from the audience when they were speaking into <laughs> English for me, so <laughs> it made the translator's job a little easier.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. It yeah, sounds it's exhausting. A, but it's so ex-
1: it is exhausting. And, and one of the interesting things, one of the gifts of working with a translator is my pace is very different. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's a very mm-hmm. more modulated pace. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I found it difficult, but rewarding at the same time to slow myself down.
0: Izzy, all this sounds so exciting about what you're doing and what's on the horizon, and you're expanding and bringing this work into different contexts. Two things come up for me. One is, you know, we talked about context being very relevant, but then I think the, and you were saying, you know, how it's going to go down in China. But I think the other thing is, you also mentioned all these universal truths or these universals Mm -hmm. that is not cultural specific. So there are certain foundational principles you know, in both of these things that are context agnostic or neutral.
1: Yes, yeah. they are. They are. And uh, I, I realize this because people have said to me after workshops, they've come up, one person come up and said, oh, you must be a Buddhist because you talk about staying in the moment. And someone else came up and said, you must be a 12-step program person because you talk about be here now. Yeah. And someone <laughs> says, you sound like my pastor. And someone else says, yeah. And and that's where I began to see that the context <laughs> Uh, is is flexible, the truth is universal.
0: Yeah, and that's a yes and, right? Yes, All of those yes things. And, yeah. Yes and, that's yes, right. Um, and one other thought that I had in listening to you, is there a generational component to this or is it a great vehicle for intergenerational um, opening?
1: It is a great vehicle for intergenerational collaboration. Mm-hmm. In one way, the the youngest people are the most free and a lot of the activities that are used in the applied improv in organizations people will say oh i play this game with my kids when we're in cars (laughs) you know when we're going on vacation Uh, And they love this game. It's a great way because there's no status experience and uh, elderly lifestyle does not mean that you're smarter or better than the younger people here. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a leveler of status. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what your background or experience is. So it's a very uh, powerful way of bringing different generations together, bringing uh, Mm -hmm. different cultures together, uh, bringing different groups together.
0: I wonder if that's being done. I think that would be awesome to have workshops where you have really young people with elderly people yes. and go through some of these. Does Is it happening?
1: There is, there is some of it happening yeah. in, in terms of the entertainment aspect, younger uh-huh. people being brought into senior centers and so forth. My drive and on one of my wish lists is to uh, finish a book on applied improv and humor as a teaching tool for parents. So that uh, essentially to develop a book, and a program where parents are taught how to facilitate these activities with their kids because they're playing with them already.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The question is, how do you teach your child to be patient? How do you teach your, your child to listen without judgment? How do you learn to listen without judgment towards your child? How do you get off? Oh, because I'm the parent attitude. Um, So there's lots to learn for both parent and child, adult uh, and youngster in this applied improv concept.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to introduce you to a guy called Jay Forte who actually works with college students and parents and teachers and it's called. And he has a program called Ready for Life. And my sense is what you offer would be really relevant in his context too. Oh, interesting, he, yeah. He has a podcast um, called mm-hmm. Ready for Life and another mm-hmm. one called um, Your Greatness Zone. So um, there might be some some value in you you two getting together. So Thank you. Um, yeah, it sounds I'll, that way. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Well Izzy, I'm want to thank you so much for this fabulous opportunity to learn a little bit about, about you and your work and the awesome work that you're doing in the world. And we certainly need it. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a joy.
1: It really was my pleasure, and, and, and thank you for the conversation. I'm, uh, I'm revved up just talking to you about it.
0: <laughs> That's nice feedback. Thank you. It's been very inspiring. Bye bye. Bye. There's so much that we can take away from having listened to Izzy Gasell in this episode. I encourage you to download the show notes page of this episode, which is positivitystrategist.com slash PS29 to think about what you can do to bring more humor and improv principles into your own life. Izzy gave us a lot, so let's go out there and take his fantastic advice. Offline, he shared three great strategies that will help you experience more positivity in your life. Notice they're all about including others. So it also helps you to deepen your connections and strengthen relationships as you develop yourself. So number one is, collect humor as it comes to you. When something makes you laugh, jot it down. Cut it out, capture the link or record a voice memo. Share it with others. Number two, consciously add more play into your life. Find activities, games, etc. you enjoy and play them regularly. Notice how your authentic self emerges when you play. And I'm just going to put in a little plug here for my TEDx Navasync video, my TEDx talk. It was called Playful Inquiry, Try This Anywhere. And in fact, Izzy contacted me when he saw that to say how much he enjoyed it. So if you're wanting to go out there and be game and be bold, go out there and play. And the last one, number three, use yes and instead of yes but. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best